0: We don't even know how to attach to ourselves in a healthy way first, and then we're all trying to make a relationship work. That's not going to work, but you are going to tend a couple. Once you understand your own attachment style, you'll realize the style that you'll probably try to attach with, and it's going to be the same person in a different pair of pants.
1: The world is changing and that is amazing, albeit a bit unsettling sometimes. You see, the third dimension is grasping desperately to hold our collective consciousness in its grip. But one by one, we are shifting into the fifth dimensional reality. We are shedding the old concepts of fear, greed, power over, and control as they give way to understanding, love, compassion, and community. I'm your host, Laura Christine, intuitive healer and channel. I've created this show to help you manifest your lighter, brighter future by following the urgings of your boundless soul. Trust me, it knows where to go. Hit subscribe to stay aligned. Now relax and enjoy the show. Hi, beautiful person. You know, I was thinking a lot about what to say about this, how to introduce this topic, and I honestly feel like it speaks for itself. I don't really have words, but what Karina Hammer brings to the table for us today can really change lives because we're talking on an energetic level about something that is absolutely instinctual in the human being. So I'd like to introduce Karina briefly for you. And there is a much more involved bio in the full show notes on my blog, which you can check out. But she says she never set out to be a yoga teacher, but it is her dharma. She's one of the very blessed people who has had the opportunity to find and follow and make a living with their dharma. And dharma is Sanskrit for your calling, She founded a studio in 2005, taught yoga teacher trainings in Utah, Texas, Idaho, and recently in Africa, and she's been given several unique opportunities, including to work with Duke, Nike, and being one of the first four teachers to teach at the first legislatively recognized state yoga day in the nation. Yoga has taught Karina to trust herself, stay connected during difficult times, It's taught her that tension usually makes things worse, openness brings insight, and most importantly, nothing else in the room has to change in order for her to feel better. Soak this message in, soak these words in, let them integrate, and let us know how they resonate or not with you. Karina, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the podcast. You're welcome. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Thanks for having me. Thanks for asking.
1: Absolutely. Before we dive in, and I think you know this question because I met you through this person, (laughs) Melanie, but but the first thing that I do is ask everyone to close your eyes and tune in and imagine what your soul looks like.
0: What is your soul wearing? Sparkling peach colored stars (laughs) is what it's wearing right now. It's like this beautiful, sparkly peach stars.
1: Ooh, that's lovely. That's absolutely lovely. And is your soul with you or is she off in the ethers somewhere? No, with me. Yeah, awesome. Woo-hoo. So, wherever you are, what does your soul look like and where is it? And if it's not with you, are you able to bring it and call your soul in and live from that space? You'll stand differently, you'll talk differently, you'll act differently, and you'll feel differently. So that's why I love to share that. And I just kind of love to hear everybody's different answers. They're also unique and
0: cool. Yes, yeah, so true. And I find if I'm not sleeping good at night, I've let my soul go out and wander the earth and it, and I have to call that back in. I'm like out trying to do things or heal situations or, you know, see who needs help or something and so if I if you get sleepless, that's something to think about. Like call your soul back. That's a really good tip. I love it. We started
1: out right with an awesome tip. <laughs> so, <laughs> What makes you feel boundless? That's another thing I ask everybody.
0: Ooh, Things like this, talking about evolving transformation, not just talking about it, but experiencing it. So laying out the plan for it through conversations like this, but then taking steps to actually experience evolution. Too many people are reading, reading, reading about it. For me, when it's happening, sometimes it looks like a fuck cluster. I got to tell you, because <laughs> you can't learn to swim without being in the water, right? You read the book on swimming and you're like, I don't know how to swim. And then you get the water. But yeah, the experience of evolution and transformation. Yeah, for sure. It is
1: definitely an experience.
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) I don't know how else to say it. I've been, yeah, I've been experiencing some deep stuff and it's been painful, but in the pain is, and I just actually interviewed somebody who Mike Cameron made the point of what's on the other side of that pain and it's joy, right? So as long as we're willing, like you are, and like you've stated to experience and let the evolution happen really truly in the body that's where the joy is
0: oh yes it doesn't always look joyful on the way in (laughs) so sometimes people get going and they're like this does not Tony Robbins never said this is gonna happen you know and then they like back out the way that they came in it's like no yeah you're on the right journey yeah that's so
1: true And a a really good point to bring up whenever we're going through change, it's really uncomfortable at first because our brains are wired for comfort, not necessarily for what's best for us, not necessarily for what's joyful, what's comfortable. So good thing to think about. You've had some really interesting experiences. I want to ask first how you or why you started talking about the sexuality between man and woman Is this a new thing or have you been studying it or experiencing it for a long
0: time? How, you know, why now are you bringing this forward? It came to me one morning after a conversation that a friend and I had. She had been divorced for quite a while and her husband had cheated throughout the marriage and she just could never understand what was going on there and I was sharing with her my thoughts about her specificity in her marriage and about how there was some shame embedded in him where he couldn't bring that to her and so he was finding other women in that specific situation. I'm not saying that that goes across the board. Anyway, I woke up the next morning to meditate. It was around 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning and (laughs) was like I should write a post about this. I was like hell no. I am not Like, I'm quiet even with my lover when we're new. You know, it takes me a little while. I'm not. So, I wrote this thing on Instagram and I deleted it right away. I was like, I cannot write that. And then I just felt very compelled and I wrote it again. And I think it has about 6,000 likes at this point and over 300 comments. Out of the 300 comments, there were probably only a couple of comments that I needed to delete or you know people would jump in and say hey that's not even what she's talking about it's not sexuality necessarily it's intimacy but a lot of my friends were writing on there I'm going to share this with my kids I'm going to help them understand this and literally it was bringing tears to my eyes that someone who's younger could understand it rather than just the act of sex about the intimacy the sacredness that goes in with it And I had a couple that I didn't even know that had been married for 27 years that they were on the verge of divorce and they messaged me privately and said, we read these. I I wrote a series of three posts overall within a week and said they turned a corner in their marriage and it really helped them start a communication level that they'd never had before and started seeing some things that were going on that they had taken for granted in an everyday way. And I just thought, yeah, this, this needs to be out. So it's really just my thoughts. It's not anything that I've studied. Wow. But
1: it's helping so many people already.
0: Yeah. So I have a, a background of yoga and traditionally yoga and Tantra kind of came in together and Tantra has really been taken in society in a different way that was never really intended. You know, they're taking the context out and making it about just sex and sexual positions and things like that. And to be clear, I'm not a Tantra expert. I might say something here and there about Tantra, but only my own understanding and very light knowledge of it. But it makes sense that intimacy and sexuality would go hand in hand with yoga because with yoga, the goal is to be whole. And the only way that we really have sacred sex is when we're bringing a whole being to that situation. And when we are able to be so open that we can allow another to merge with us and we can ourselves merge with another. But what often happens is come closer, go away. This is the energy that we get in relationship in general. I want you to come in here. I want you to understand me and I want you to get the fuck out of here too because this scares me. And so (laughs) this avoidance and enmeshment at the same time is confusing. So yeah, the sexuality piece, it's not that far away from yoga. Once you understand yoga is about bringing the fragmented pieces home. And part of our fragmentation happens around sexuality. A lot of it
1: for a lot of people. You know, this episode, I'm just excited because this episode is going to pair really well with one that I had with Emily Gaudreau, who teaches how to protect our children from predators. So she teaches a lot of like the educational aspects of that. And it's very, you know, grounded and, and rooted in that protection aspect. But then this is going to bring a sex to a whole other sort of perspective. And I'm really happy about yeah. that. I did read those three posts that you sent me so I could get a better idea too. And I, I really loved them. I loved how easy it was to understand For me, anyways, it really was easy to understand. And if you look at the physicality of what's going on, you know, that's easy to understand. But let's dig into the emotions a little bit. Like what's happening? What does, you know, what does a woman need? What does a man need? And why, why do the problems creep in (laughs) or jump in or whatever it may be?
0: (laughs) I say this all the time. Why are so many of us looking for the same thing? And it's so damn hard. Like, how can we all want the same thing, and yet we are bumping into each other? So let's kind of bring this, let's bring everyone up to speed with what I talked about just really lightly. I equate everything back to nature and our bodies, and that it's all a match at the higher levels, right? And so in yoga, we have these seven energy centers, and the root center is all about physicality. I'm talking specifically about a man and a woman. Um, I do have friends who are gay, who said it's still really translated for them. But when we talk about the physicality, I'm going to talk about a woman receives a man. In order for her to receive a man face-to-face as a woman, we have to open our legs, expose our belly, and we open our throat. You can't go out in the wild and find a single creature that will do that because it is a death wish Physically when I expose my body that way I am handing the very keys to the person on the other side of that my life Even in the wild when an animal is dying it curls in to be protective This is the most vulnerable thing we can do so vulnerable that It's life threatening. And yet women do it every day without even really understanding that. It is at an unconscious level, frightening. And we have to trust that the person that we are giving that physical safety to will hold it as sacred. And then for a man, when he's coming to a woman, his emotions are held in his cum. Our body is just over two thirds water And come is a concentration of that, and our emotions are held in all that cellular fluid. So for him to come in a woman, to penetrate her, he penetrates her the way that he penetrates the world. And there is a book about that called The Way of the Superior Man. And that piece of it, just as soon as I heard that, although I haven't read the whole book, I just read a little piece of it, I was like, that's true. That is true. The way a man penetrates a woman is what he's doing out in the world. And so it's very metaphoric for him. But for him to come in a woman, he has to trust that he can hand his emotions over to her. That's why for so many men, when a woman cheats, it's devastating because men in general, I'm not saying all the time, tend to be very withholding of their emotional world. The most common relationship setup is an avoiding man and an angry woman. And we even see that in the cosmos, father sky is away from us and you better not mess with mother nature, you know? And so this setup happens even emotionally when we're physically coming to each other. So for a man to take a woman, for her, that's a physical risk. And for him, it's an emotional risk. And so that was kind of the basis of understanding if we're going to couple together in a sexual way, Let's just be really clear about that.
1: That's (laughs) like speechless. I have no words. I have so many thoughts, though. They're just going too fast. It's mind blowing in a way to see it that way when it makes absolute perfect sense. And yet nobody speaks
0: it. And it doesn't even register consciously a lot of the time that it's actually really such, because it feels good, generally speaking, when we're doing it the way that we're talking about fear of what's going on, doesn't even register. Right. So
1: then what can happen is, I mean, really, this is what's important about this is number one, the understanding of it so that we know what we're doing and we're conscious of what we're doing. And then we're at more choice when we're conscious About it. When we're aware of something, we have more choice about it. So now it gets to the point where we all have to be vulnerable. If we want to grow and evolve in our relationship, if we want it to be more than just a release and a receive, and then what do you do with that when you receive it? It feels like... That's a great question. Yeah. Women are risking their physicality, but they're also absorbing emotions. And then we have to deal with them. Yeah. And then we're called all emotional. And it's like, well, I'm not that emotional. It's your emotions. They're in me, but let's not fight about it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so. Let's talk about that. Cause it gets really messed up between men and women. And this is what men don't understand. If they don't understand physically what's going on with this transition of the come. Right. So for him, when there's a release of come, there's this release and all that built up instability inside of him transfers to her and he feels better so for him it's an ending and for her it's a beginning because her world becomes more unstable by absorbing him even if he's filled with love and joy and everything if you've ever been in an area where there's little kids and they come in like and you're already kind of you know antsy yourself it it heightens everything so even receiving love you know, and joy and whatever he has in his inner world can still destabilize because it's just more, right? The problem is often if he's not working on his own emotional world without her asking him to have some insight, once he releases, if he's just enjoying that release and he doesn't work on himself, she gets resentful of him. Because her world is less stable by absorbing that excess emotion. So that's why women are like, you don't get it. And the men are like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be getting. The reality is, even if they don't get it, we're holding them accountable. We're coming to a level of consciousness and awareness and information that's available all the time. That as women, we expect men to get it. And we expect them to have some self-reflection. But often they don't understand at a physical level that she is being overwhelmed with what he's been containing in order to stay neutral. And so often for men, their emotional world becomes richer and closer after the act of sexuality. And for a woman, she needs it before. And so if she doesn't get it before, even if she orgasmed as well, if he doesn't understand and honor her holding for him while he's working some things out, she feels used.
1: So if he doesn't understand, I just want to repeat that because I'm not sure the sound came out totally clear on your end. So if he doesn't understand what she's doing, that she's holding that emotional and working through that emotional
0: pain for him. Yeah. She is holding that emotional world while he's working his stuff out. So often, you know, you ask a woman, what are you thinking? And she'll you know, pop off like 10 different things in her mind. Right. And for a dude, it's like men tend to be more simple. They're like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm thinking. You know, how could you not know what you're thinking? That's how women feel. Right. So as he's attuning to understanding himself, he often withdraws and avoids in order to do that, which for a woman feels less safe. So it becomes more intense for her. So what he needs to understand is when they're having that transference of his emotions, she's expecting him to be working on himself. He's just often just feeling better and closer to her now. And that's when it starts getting really muddy so I wrote a, a part about how I dated a man who I just, he helped me through such a fragmented time in my life. His nickname was Maverick and he lived up to it for me emotionally. You know, I was just such a mess. And he was like, if this is you as a mess, can I just have you? <laughs> I'm going through this thing. Thank you for helping me. But he, uh, he had a pretty contemptuous divorce and he said he was willing to talk to his his wife and I'm like but she was dead by the time you were willing to emotionally she was dead and she was not willing to bring herself back to him anymore because when she felt like okay he's gonna get it and he's gonna work on it he would let things slide until there was this buildup, and then he needed sexuality to recouple with her and over time she just was she couldn't do it anymore and so when we had these conversations and he saw his ex-wife in a new life he actually circled back to her and they started having some conversations and for her it was like you finally get it so her resentment towards him changed and then his ability to be safe in expressing to her also changed and so they have a great friendship at this time you know it's really a sweet thing but often we don't see what the other person is going through and if if we get into some long term situations there's this big weight behind us to deal with and the longer it goes on the worse it gets
1: what do you suggest for people who might be hearing this whether they're hearing it together most of my listeners do happen to be women so if somebody is resonating with this and feeling like that's happening in her relationship right now what's you know what is a suggestion you would give her or him if it's the man
0: listening Yeah, so let's start with women because that's a little easier for me to address having been on the other side of that. We have to realize that if we're not coming into a situation with a regulated nervous system, we're fried, we're burned out, we're emotionally depleted, we're running on fumes physically, emotionally, mentally, financially, we're not a safe place for him. We're gonna go into resentment. And so it's time for us to stoke the fire, like what really builds us up? How do we connect to ourselves? How do we regulate and stabilize ourselves first? And thinking that, okay, if he gets what he wants, you know, from me, he's going to give to me that never really works. That's just a negative cycle that it looks like you're moving somewhere, but where you're moving is downhill. So regulating yourself first, understanding your needs, not because you can't handle him, but Are you regulated even without him? If you're not coming into it feeling more whole, you shouldn't be giving more of yourself away. And that doesn't mean you need to shut down the sexuality. Maybe it's something prior to sexuality that will help you feel more full. Maybe you want him to run a bath and just wash your back, kiss the back of your neck, listen for a moment. You know, these things are negotiated. If you're into a deep, deep trench of burnout then you know do you have the kind of emotional support have you built a team of people or are you expecting him to be every part of your life is he your everything such as your provider and your best friend and your soundboard and your you know that gets exhausting to be the one person for all pieces of another person So do you have the kind of relationships that you need elsewhere that are supportive for you? How do you nourish yourself? Are you taking good care of yourself food wise and sleep wise? Are you reading things that are upholding to you? Are you being validated in the kind of meaningfulness that you're offering in life? So you've got to start with yourself first. And then for a man, I would say, really understanding that there is this exchange of fluid that is literally scientifically destabilizing. So stop pushing her buttons and then calling her crazy, first of all. Stop filling her up with all your emotions and then saying, she's quick. No, she's filled with too many emotions and she doesn't know how to regulate all of them, right? And so can you bring a more loving, stable, safe person to her? Can you look at her when she's open to you physically before that act and realize she is handing you the keys to her life physically? Can you take that in and honor and respect that? And then ask yourself, what are you doing for self-reflection without her bothering you about it? How much time do you take to just say, hey, how am I showing up? You know, if I go get my three ex-girlfriends and they all say the same thing, Maybe it's not just her. Maybe it's you're not just even picking the wrong type of woman. Maybe you're picking that type of woman because then you can blame them. Whenever I see a man who says no drama, I'm like, oh, you love drama. You create so much drama. You don't know what to do with your dramas. So you go find a woman who will spin for you. And then you can just be like, look at you over there. No, you know, uh, how do you deal with your emotion? Answer that question. How do you make your partner spin? Because we all do it. We all know when, especially in long-term relationships, how to spin somebody out. Or when we're close enough, we know how to spin somebody out. So if you ask yourself the question, how do I make my partner spin and why do I do it? And you can like answer like that, you're probably attuned and aware of who you are and what you're doing. And if you have no idea, You are definitely part of the problem because you're doing it anyway. You got to figure that piece out. That is really huge.
1: And it's, I'm going to actually draw this back to Mike Cameron, who talks about how, for, especially for men. So this is, but really for everybody, but he talked about how we can all get more in tune and in touch with our emotions, because here's the thing, men aren't taught how to do it. And honestly, women aren't really either. We just kind of more naturally have to do it more. So none of us really know how to deal with emotions. Women have a lot of practice with it. Men don't have it. They don't have the practice of it. So Mike Cameron teaches men how to get in touch with their emotions because he had a girlfriend murdered by an ex-boyfriend because he, the ex-boyfriend, obviously didn't know what to do with those emotions. So he took two lives, his ex-girlfriends and his, that day. So just, I love this web, you know, before we started, before I start these podcast episodes, I light a candle called cosmic web and I love the web that it's just creating of this light and how to be in the joy of being a human because it can be so joyful too. And I think, you know, that's another aspect of this. Sometimes it's challenging, but then how can we evolve and grow with it? That wasn't really a question, was it?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry to hear about this experience. but women keep trying to teach men how to deal with their emotions, and it does not work that way. Men need to teach men, but there's not enough men that are balanced, that have dealt with their own history, that knows where that emotion is lying in their body, that can stay present, during those fiery times without escalating it or cowering from it, but like walking in that fire and standing in it, men need to teach men, but men have been taught in their history to avoid talking about these things. And so women had this growth spurt about 20 years ago, of coming into the career and learning how to, you know, hold their own masculine energy that was within them. And now men need to learn how to hold their feminine energy that is within them. And they're struggling with it. We can't teach, as a woman, we can't teach a man how to do that. And you're right. Nobody taught us. And yet it's always present with us. You know, pain has come to women like none other, right? We, we have been the dumping ground for pain. And if, again, you look at our bodies, we are the receivers of it. And so the first principle of femininity is receive but people don't even teach us how to be good receivers. We end up being takers or avoiders, right? And so we're all in this sort of conundrum of, if a man wants to have a balanced woman, she's going to expect him to become a balanced man because a balanced woman won't stay in that cycle. She'll leave. And she can't teach him to become balanced because she'll resent him over time. I personally, I know what I'm doing when I'm coupling with a man. I'm holding his pain for a while while he's working some things out. But if he doesn't get it worked out or if he shows up after the relationship as a man who's just like not authentic, I will not hold that. And so a man has to learn on his own and in relationship with other men. Because as women, we tend to come into relationship with other women and gain insight and clarity and I mean, I just had girlfriends over not too long ago that we were all chatting and just like sharing what's really going on in these deeper conversations. Men tend not to do that. And it's it's unfortunate because they need each other. We're all fragmented right now. And to become whole, we need each other.
1: Yeah, we really do. And thinking, you know how women have definitely felt tremendous pain. And, you know, now women are in the military and everything, but in years past, it was a men and they're just sometimes not even at choice. Okay, you're going to go to war. You know, that's a lot of pain, too, that the men are holding. And so are the women. Because as you said, we, we need each other and we all need each other, you know, to make it work. But to your point also about having a balanced, and this is really for anybody, if you want a certain type of person, go and be that type of person. You know, otherwise they're just gonna have that codependency, that enmeshment, that kind of relationship. And it's usually it's usually pretty hard.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think the the first step for all of us, men, women, straight, gay, whatever it is, is understanding how to regulate our own nervous system. And you know, our mutual friend Melanie Weller does a lot, in fact, I would call her. In my very own humble opinion <laughs> which i've done a lot of research probably the foremost authority on the vagus nerve and if you want to understand your nervous system you've got to understand that piece and anybody who's interested in their nervous system i like looking up melanie would be amazing i am now teaching how to help people who've been overwhelmed in the nervous system whether that be just Kind of everyday overwhelm or trauma or uh, dysregulation or burnout. I'm helping them understand their nervous system. But you've got to be able to regulate and understand your own nervous system. And after that, you need to understand your attachment style. And there are four attachment styles. And this is just baseline stuff that should be being taught in grade school. Like, what is my nervous system? How do how do I find the things that I can tolerate? Not how do I increase that window of being able to tolerate certain things and not. And what is my attachment style? Because if you're avoidant, you probably match up with someone who's reactive. So there's avoidant, reactive, insecure, hovering, and then healthy. And we don't even know how to attach to ourselves in a healthy way first. And then we're all trying to make a relationship work. That's not going to work. But you are going to tend to couple once you understand your own attachment style, you'll realize the style that you'll probably try to attach with. And it's going to be the same person in a different pair of pants. And so understanding those two key components, you can't make anything healthy until you understand those two things first. That is really good insight. And I love,
1: I would love to say that I'm a healthy attacher, but I'm not sure that's the case. I think, I think there's a, there's a balance point for me. I, I am very much working on being able to now i guess i'm getting pretty vulnerable here but i'm very much working on being able to speak what's going on emotionally without becoming overly emotional about it but i tend to get really emotional because i'll overthink i will judge myself i will think i've done it wrong and oh i'm a bad person now because i'm gonna say something hurtful it's just like this mess of a person so i'm like okay well maybe i'm reactive i don't know But I tend to think, okay, I can just deal with this myself. So I'm kind of maybe an avoider almost in a way. This is really interesting. I'm going to have to look into this a little bit more.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And once we find our style, sometimes when we're deciding that we want to do it differently, we go to compensation rather than balance. So then we compensate by being something completely different. And I think, you know, I have this philosophy that we never really fall in love with the other person. We fall in love with the part of us that gets to love them. That, I mean, I ended up in an abusive relationship because in my marriage, I had, he was such an avoidant person who was so, uh, he does avoidant attachment as well. And so I started out as an insecure hovering, and then I went to an angry reactive. And as I became healthy in my attachment, the marriage didn't have space for a healthy attachment. Nobody's bad. Nobody's wrong. Right. And so coming out of that, I was like, I really want to be in my feminine energy and I don't want to be the one organizing everything. I was, you know, financially the provider. I mean, I was so deep into my masculine energy. And so I was like, I want to attract somebody who's very masculine and the person like will come into the conversation like like I don't want an avoidant person well I dated someone in law enforcement who was an abuser and once it started it just never stopped and there was a part of me that was uh part of it was because of my history I attracted an abuser and part of it was I so badly wanted to not be with an avoider again that I just I it was like the frog in you know, warm water where the temperature keeps being turned up to the point where I was like, it was risking my life twice. He almost killed me. And I kept trying to work it out because I was like, I don't want to be with someone who's avoidant again. And so you can kind of look at your past partners and what their attachment style is and kind of guess the part that you played in the pairing. And when you find somebody who's healthy in their attachment through all the ups and downs, to the integration and the separation times. Cause there's always times where, you know, things go their own way. And then you see another side of somebody, you can see what their attachment style is and probably the role that you were playing in it.
1: Yes. That is really a good tip. Look at your past relationships and see, and just try to, and, and here it is too, no judgment, right? Be neutral about it. Be the observer in this. You're looking at a story, you know, separate your, your true self from these patterns and then remember too that any relationship is going to have its challenges every relationship you're going to push each other's buttons a little bit here and there this is how we evolve and grow so it's not to say oh we just made love but he was you know he just dumped all his pain in me and now he feels better and now I feel resentful that's not a reason to necessarily just like throw in the towel and leave if that happens constantly okay maybe but Right. That's just something. Okay. Now I know because of what just happened, I know I've got to really, again, you know, stoke my own fire. I've got to get my nervous system balanced. Like look at the service that I can do, honor myself and see, you know, hopefully he'll look at himself, but it's true. It's very difficult I know I've experienced this. I want to be the one to show him how good it can be, right? If you just look at yourself and you just look at what you can do, no, mm -mm, no, your spouse will not listen to you. (laughs) Very rarely will that happen. Yeah. You know, so that's where it's like, okay, you can pray, you can meditate, you can send the energy, you can do all the things, but (laughs) notice if you're trying to control how the other person is.
0: Yeah. Yes. So perfect. It's it's this. It's the secret agenda. Yes. I'm going to do all this, not because I want to, but I'm going to spend my time doing this because I'm going to put it into this investment jar. I'm going to put it into the proof jar. I'm going to prove to you how amazing I am. And then once you see that, this is how you're going to act. And then together, this mm-hmm. is how we will be. No, do that if it's right, because you feel like that serves you as a better person and you need to grow and evolve in those ways. But if you're doing it, trying to manipulate somebody else that will always backfire. And if you want to have a conscious conversation about, Hey, you know, we're struggling in these ways. This is how I feel like I can contribute, but please know I'm doing this for a time to contribute. And if I have to stay in this role, it's going to burn me out and this isn't going to be good for our relationship. That's a different thing than just secretly trying to manipulate someone into it. Right. Definitely. And I know
1: when I started my spiritual path, you know, digging in and really exploring my own self, I was in a marriage. I got married very young. I was 21 years old. And so I didn't know who I was and I was basically depressed. And so there's no blame, but I know I changed quite a lot, <laughs> and and I did. I started to think that it was true. If you change, the people around you will change. So as I as my vibration got higher, you know, this other person's would too because that's how it works. No, 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 no. That's not what that means. It means when you change your vibration, you're going to be attracting that vibration. That might mean the person with you will also raise the vibration, or someone else will come in, you know, or nobody. I was single for a few years. It was lovely. (laughs) And it's like, I had that, that belief. So then I was hanging on like, Oh no, he's going to change. He's going to change. Well, mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe, maybe not. Right. So just again, not to be attached.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's enjoying watching you do all that work for the two of you. (laughs) And then, and then when you don't want to do it anymore, he's like, Hey, wait, That's a bait and switch. (laughs) You do all this while I do this. And that's the expectation that he has while you, it sounds like, and I in the past have done this as well, have this secret agenda about I'll do this. It will make them feel secure or like they have the bandwidth to step into it now or whatever it is. And when you're running those secret agendas, you're going to get in trouble. Everybody's in trouble. You're in trouble, they're in trouble. That's why the first step is always understanding our own regulation. So if we understand how do we regulate ourselves, we won't be so focused on trying to regulate someone else so they don't trigger us. Oh, so good, yes, triggers,
1: yes, triggers. Oh my gosh, that's, that plays in so well to the, <laughs> to the summit that's happened already. <laughs> By the time this comes out, (laughs) um, because it's this weekend, but something, yes, how we can use our triggers to actually evolve and um, integrate our shadow and actually love ourselves more and become more whole, right? Our triggers are really there to just show us where we want more love for ourselves.
0: Yes. And also, if somebody's struggling with being triggered a lot, I would highly suggest Jeff Brown talks a lot about how especially those of us who are empathic we take these triggers and we're like i need to do more i need to do this differently i must be doing something wrong i need to heal more well it's kind of like saying well if you're hurting that's really because you are doing something wrong or you don't understand or whatever that is yeah this is good the example of somebody coming and pushing you down and you know tripping you or something. Ooh, I came along to help you understand where you must be hurting. No, no mofo. You actually did that to me. That was you, you know, tripping me doing this and that or whatever. And so sometimes this gets into the abuse cycle. I stayed because I kept thinking I'm doing something that I need to heal, and when I heal, this will get better. There's a point to which, when you get into an extreme situation, you need to understand that not everything is yours to heal. Sometimes it's yours to walk away from. So understanding the triggers that we can evolve from and the triggers that are red flags and warnings, that this goes against the very nature of our soul's journey, and it's time to walk away. Such
1: a good distinction. That happens a lot. Again, especially with empaths, because we do. And I swear my whole life, I came in thinking, what did I do wrong and how can I fix it? <laughs> like Right. And that's not, you didn't do anything wrong. You, you didn't do something wrong to deserve this, to be talked to like that, to be hit, yeah. to be whatever it is. No, you're not wrong. That person's actually wrong. You can leave and that's okay.
0: Yeah. And energetically, that thought, that specific thought resides in the second chakra, which is associated with the vagina. The first chakra is associated with the penis and a vagina is associated with the second chakra. Those are the places of sexuality. And so understanding the energy system that lies within us, where it may be misaligned how to align it within ourselves before going out and trying to partner. Most of us won't do that because it's fucking hard. It is hard work to understand ourselves. It's lonely. You know, we're not going to be in relationship. Oh, I've been out of a relationship play long. I've been single for three weeks. Okay. You are going to take the ending of your last relationship and dump it at some point into your next one because it's something, if you can't be alone. And I mean, alone, you're not going to be a good partner down the road, and you're going to think it's the other person. And just being alone is unworthy pain, being alone with self reflection, and understanding what needs to be healed, how can I re regulate, how can I become whole, and then want to couple with someone instead of being driven emotionally needy, neediness. Ordered a couple, and it's that self love piece that people throw around the phrase self love or you need to love yourself first. Well, you know what? Self love is so damn hard. People say, Oh, yeah, I love myself. Really, are you living in poverty and loving yourself? Can you be homeless and love yourself? Can you have every person that you love reject you and love yourself? Can you have no hope for the future and still love yourself? If those are yeses, then I believe you love yourself. But when they're noes, Don't throw out there to other people like you need to love yourself first because you don't know what you're talking about. Go sit on a rock and cry for three years straight. And at the end of that, you might love yourself. Like strip it down to the cellular level and love yourself and then that's it. But that's just a tremendous amount of work. You almost have to be a monk to get there, right?
1: Yeah, speaking of those monks, you said such beautiful things there. (laughs) And I just jump but yes, so many good points there. But it turns out that I just learned that you lived with monks for two weeks.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I lived with monks for a couple of weeks. It was funny. Uh, I was wanting to go somewhere before starting a project and have like this meditation centering time. And all the retreats were like dude in a bun. <laughs> I was like, this, it wasn't resonating, you know. And I heard this podcast from Jesse Isler talking about how he lived with the monks. I'm like, I'm going to go do that. And it was all men. I didn't even know if I could do it or where it was. Like I had to do some research and I'm sure they just thought I was a wacko coming in there, but we had some great conversations. They were very curious about me. I guess since the Jesse thing, he wrote a book called living with the monks and his wife is the spandex woman and he sold zika and i mean they're like the ultimate power couple right and he took his time with the monks as well and so i think they thought coming up there i was going to be some jesse fan or something they googled me they looked me up <laughs> it's very rare that a single woman will go up there on her own they were like oh what the crap with this lady and um so they asked me yoga stuff. and over the course of like the first week They were so kind and wonderful and loving, but they did start asking me questions about sex because I had said in the yoga community, we have so many, it tends to be women giving their power over to male yoga teachers and it's created a mess in the yoga community. We have, we even have a Netflix documentary about it now because a lot of people coming to yoga are very fragmented. We have histories of rape and molestations and abuse. And then we come to yoga and it's making us feel so amazing and women tend to hand their power over to male yoga teachers. It happens on occasion with women being empowered or in sync sets, but it's generally speaking what we see right now is women to men. And they said, Why, you know, what is this? Because when we have a really beautiful yoga class, it's this moment of feeling only our own energy. And it feels so intimate. We don't feel the energy of what my family expects or my finances or. You know, the failures of my life or the regrets. We just feel only our own energy. And when we feel only our own energy, it's so beautiful. And we're so in love. It makes us want to cry. Beyond seeing your babies being born, it's really this eternal kind of wholeness. And sometimes we get confused that that is coming to us because of the teacher. And if the teacher does not have themselves worked out, and most male and female teachers don't. I'm telling you, there's a lot of celebrity yoga going on right now. And it's sad. It makes me really sad. But when that teacher doesn't have their own stuff worked out, they'll absorb a person's power. And then there can be sexuality. There can be transgressions. There can be a lot of things where there's a differentiation with power dynamics. And so we talked about that. I talked about it with the monks. And it was really, I mean, I'm not a sex person. I don't talk about sex a lot, you know? Um, this is just coming through the the avenue and the connection through wholeness. And we want to become whole by merging with another person. It just doesn't work that way. So it was a great conversation that I had with them. And um, you know, they've written me since then. Hey, when are you coming back?
1: Oh, that's fantastic. (laughs) They're awesome. Yeah, they're amazing. That's fantastic. So Karina, I have enjoyed this so much. I I do want to ask you if people want to get in touch with you. Are you doing any yoga classes now or one-on-one coaching or are you doing any of that? I don't even know. I just wanted you on my show.
0: <laughs> I teach clinicians how to help folks with trauma. And I've created through some work of Melanie's. She inspired me actually on a system of helping re-regulate the nervous system after trauma. So I can do one-on-one appointments with that. And I've actually helped a number of clinicians themselves on a personal level with their trauma. So I know the system that i am creating is really working. um, And I've helped a number of people that way. And so I will take private appointments by zoom to do that method with people. It's really a helping with the fragmentation of their nervous system. And, reintegrating the, the lost parts of ourselves so that we are whole so i do do that one-on-one i have been teaching yoga a little bit uh locally for y6 but i'm pausing on that until about march so i'll, I'll teach for them in the future again for y6 it's a great outfit and i don't do private yogas but this other thing that i do for the nervous system healing is really amazing and wonderful so i'm happy to do that by Zoom. people can contact me through karinahammer.com or karinahammer at gmail and you can set something up for that takes about three to five appointments i'm telling you i've talked to a lot of people who've tried almost everything and it's working for them so i'm really excited about that i love doing those
1: I'm not surprised that it's working for them at all whatsoever, because you're amazing. You have amazing skill. I don't know if you want to share any of your background, your history about who you've taught and (laughs) how you've gotten, you've taught for Nike and stuff. it's, It's fascinating. It really is.
0: Yeah. Duke University hired me a few years ago to be part of their teams to train Nike Accelerate executives. I've owned studios. I've gone across the country and taught yoga workshops helped people get their studios set up and moving i'm one of those people who's been incredibly blessed to find their dharma which is yoga it's my calling in life. and as many times as i've tried to walk away from yoga it's like come here girl you know it calls me home and yeah i've been blessed to be able to make a living at it and to be able to serve that way this new thing i've, I've never thought i was a great yoga teacher I've I've had over 200 letters written to me about you're such a great yoga teacher you changed my life and still every time I read one I'm like I'm not a great yoga teacher but I always knew I was really good at something that I used yoga to do. And it's this wholeness and returning people to their hearts. I'm good at that. Yeah. And so yes. That's what I do. And I do it through this nervous system thing now that only takes about an hour and I can do it in a few sessions and the revisiting into wholeness that I do.
1: I feel that so strong and beautifully in my heart. Thank you. Thank you so much. Any last bit of wisdom that you'd like to leave
0: with the listeners. I mean, I haven't really thought this through I'm just shooting from the hip. But listen, we all seem to want this thing about being our best selves. And there's an intimacy that we have to have with ourselves first. And it's not easy. A lot of these people writing books and doing workshops and all the Tony fucking Robbins and all that, they're lying to you about how easy it is. So when you get in the trenches, do not beat yourself up over it. Be so compassionate with yourself. If you are breathing, you are needed here. You know, even if it's a small thing. John F. Kennedy said this. Everybody wants to change the world. So they want to be a Senator or the president or people don't want that anymore or a celebrity, let's say celebrity, right? But you don't have to be that to change the world because you live in the world. If you just change yourself, you have changed the world. And so we have all this media shoving down our face. You got to be a celebrity and all this and that and the other to be amazing and magnificent. If you could feel only your own energy you would know how magnificent you are. You would cry from being so in love. And so if you can get to that point, clear out all the other shit that has happened and been put on you and get back home to your own nature and get back to your heart, it would be profound. That would be enough in this lifetime for you to feel amazing about yourself. Thank you so much. you welcome. Thanks for asking me to be on. It's been a blast.
1: Well, this gave me a little bit to think about. I'm definitely going to be looking up my attachment style or looking into the attachment styles and seeing if I can journal my way through what mine might be because I could be a number of them. <laughs> Maybe all of them at some points, right? And I hope that you took away something enlightening from this episode as I wish for all of these episodes, something to help you understand the mechanics and the energetics of being human a little bit more or on a little bit of a deeper level. We are moving into a paradigm where understanding and grace and love are going to be held in much higher esteem and regard than they have in the past. So I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that. I would love to touch on Karina's numerology. I think I skipped it for the last one or two, but oh my goodness, if your past mastery and your outer world number are for the neutral mind, then absolutely yoga will be a part of your life, needs to be a part of your life. (laughs) And it is absolutely not surprising to me that yoga is the main source of income and of lessons learned for Karina. Why? Well, she mastered the neutral mind in past lives Now, the neutral mind is the yoga, is the yogi. It's the centered in stillness type where when you're centered in stillness, you're connected to all that is. You're connected to all just everything and you're clear. So she has mastered the neutral mind and yet her outer world number, which is where her karma lives, is also the neutral mind. So she's mastered it and she's mastering it on an even a higher level in this lifetime. I love that she lived with the monks for a couple weeks. Boom. Neutral mind. Meditation. When I say yoga, I don't mean vinyasa. I don't mean you have to do a specific style of yoga. I simply mean uniting the body, mind, and spirit with the universal spirit as well. So that's what yoga is. That's what the practice of yoga does for you. It brings you into a state where you are united. Huge is the root of yoga. And huge means to unite. It is like to yoke, to really unite with an other or other. And so with yoga, we want to unite with the big S self within our personality self. And then I'll touch just on her path number, which is an eight. So the eight is the pranic body. This is where your vitality is. And this is where that take charge leadership personality comes into play in a big way. It is the part of us that can harness and direct energy for healing. So as Karina mentioned, I'm sure she's a fabulous yoga teacher, but I do know what she's talking about. As a yoga teacher myself, it's not about the yoga. It is about what yoga does for you. And as she mentioned, she helps people collect those fragmented aspects of themselves and bring them back together which is exactly what the definition of yoga can mean. And she's using that to heal. She's using that to harness the energy that is always available in the present moment to bring people back to themselves. Eight is also, as I mentioned before, a take charge type number. We saw this with Heath Cummings, who went into politics because he just can't sit by and watch somebody else do something not as well as he can. It's that take charge, like, I got this. So this is her path. It is her path to be a leader in that sense of rising up and stepping out and forward. And this is probably why she's been approached with the opportunities that she's been approached with for teaching at Nike and for being one of the first four teachers at that state recognized Yoga Day. So... It's not surprising to me. I'm curious to know how many of your numbers you know. Do you know your path number? Do you know your past mastery? Do you know what you have mastered in many lifetimes? This is how other people see you. And it's really a foundation for your life as well because you're good at this and when you use that To inform the rest of what you're doing or to set the foundation for what you're doing in your life, it will make everything else work better. Do you know what your outer world number is? Do you know where your karma is? What are the patterns that keep repeating in your life? All it might take for you to change that is to know this number and come into mastery with it so that your outer world doesn't have to make you move through that karma. You are doing it consciously from within. It's a little easier that way. <laughs> as always, if you like the show, I will ask you to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Scroll down on your iPhone to leave a five-star rating and write a review. It can be short, such as the one that I will share with you now. This is from KM Kelly63. It's titled, I Love This Podcast. And she writes, The content is amazing and I love listening to it. Laura Christine is such a fun soul. And that is followed by three sparkly hearts, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> so thank you, KM Kelly63. Thanks to all of you. Please share this out. If you know anyone who might find this information helpful, And I have some things in the works, but I am taking a little bit of a break. So if you're looking for something that I already have, such as the Kundalini Yoga course that goes right along with the numerology, you can head over to beingboundless.com if you get the Boundless Bundle which is the Your Soul Map so you can learn your numerology, figure out what your numbers are and what that means to you. And then the Kundalini Yoga for Your Complete Being course. They come together and they go together very well because your numbers correspond to different aspects of your being. And the kundalini yoga that I present matches up with all of it. So you can strengthen the areas that need strengthening. You can focus on the areas that you're here to master so that you can feel more at peace, more in your body, and have a lot more clarity about the actions that you're taking in life. Clear the clouds, clear the clutter in the mind and be present with the truth of who you are. So when you do that, your relationships are better, you're going to take actions that make sense towards your purpose, and you'll just feel good. Who doesn't want that? So until next time, thank you so much for being boundless with me. Thank you for listening, and thank you so much for being a part of this great awakening on Earth what a wild time to be here. I want you to know I'm here for you. If you're looking for one-on-one support or just need quick clarity, head to beingboundless.com to see how I can help make your transformation smoother. If you found this episode to be helpful, please share it with your friends. On a similar note, please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts so others like you can find it and benefit too. I cannot wait to read yours on a future episode. Until next time, Thank you so much, Boundless Soul, for being boundless with me, your friend, LC.